So welcome again, everyone, to the Change Your Game with GTD podcast. My name is Robert Peek, and I'm here with Todd Brown. Hello, all. And uh, this podcast really is designed to, well, help you help you change your game to get a little bit more out of life and work by way of productivity, but also doing that by helping you maybe do things a little more elegantly, a little, a little less friction, and thereby, hopefully, a little less stress in your life as well. So intent really here um, is to support you with best practices and the getting things done, GTD methodology. That, uh, that support and that reinforce all of that. So, Todd, as we were talking just before we clicked go here, um, you know, I had a, a recent uh, client uh, actually just this afternoon. We were having coffee, and he was and I was saying, you know, we're doing a podcast. Any thoughts? Anything you'd like us to cover? And he said, Yeah, sustaining GTD. You know, getting back on when you're off and sustaining it, making it a practice, making it a habit. I'd love to hear more about that. So. Seems like as good a topic as any, and we love to take requests and you know make this interactive for those of you that are listening. So, um, do you want to kick off with any thoughts around what you found for yourself, for your clients, that's helpful, that works to make GTD a potentially a lifelong practice? Yeah, I, I think the thing that comes to mind first is is to avoid having a, a binary. Uh, understanding of what doing GTD means, you know, and I think this this is something that we do sometimes run into. You know, you'll have a you'll have a situation where a um, uh, you know someone comes along to a, uh, a seminar, and we've painted a picture in the seminar, of course, of of you know a very uh, wide range of GTD best practices, and we use the five phase model, you know, capture, clarify, organize, reflect, engage. We use that model to give people a sense of, hey, what is, you know, what, what would black belt look like in each one of these areas? And I think some people walk out the door with uh, a sense that, okay, so I'm either going to do all of that or I'm going to do none of it. And, and even if they don't say that consciously, if you talk to them, you know, two or three weeks later, those individuals, they might say, uh, yeah, well, I'm not really doing it. And when, when I, when I talk to them, what I find is actually they're, they're quite often doing many of the, you know, the best practices they've, they've adopted certain things in their lives. You know, as I sometimes say in the seminars that I do, if, if all you do is start keeping a, uh, a waiting for list and keep it up to date, that's going to be a huge upgrade on what most people have to deal with in terms of tracking the commitments in their lives. So, uh, so again, I think it's just kind of a, um, just because you're not doing absolutely everything that you read in the book or everything that you um, got exposed to in the seminar doesn't mean that you're not doing GTD. There's benefit in whatever incremental, uh, you know, good best practice you've implemented from the seminar. So I suppose that's the, that's the first thing that comes to mind. And and I, and I suppose the other thing that comes that that kind of goes with that is um, that implies that we should be understanding of ourselves, you know, and and have realistic expectations about how many changes in working practices we can implement at any given time. So, you know, we need to be a little bit gentle with ourselves, I think, in terms of our expectations. So those are my kind of initial thoughts. What, mm. what is, what, what's on your mind about this? Yeah, no, I think that's great advice. And I think a lot of people do get into the, the guilt trap you know, with, yeah. with, with this stuff. Um, just, you know, just with, with the client, I can certainly relate to this myself. You know, he was kind of saying either my, I feel like my system's either shambolic or pristine kind of a thing. 
And, you know, that's part of the guilt trap of the kind of just the swings, the swings of it. Whereas, as you're saying, it's a, it's a practice. GTD is a practice. And for me, you know, now 17 years on, um, I think probably one of the biggest, I guess, skills or abilities or things that I think GTD has helped me develop as a way of sustaining and refining it is, you know, what you, what you just talked about is some degree of self-awareness and particularly awareness around um, what's working for me and what's not in relation to my practice and in relation to my life. So, you know, we talk about this broad field of metacognition, um, you know, thinking about how you think, thinking about how you work, sort of bumping up a level from the daily grind and actually evaluating and going, oh, you know, what, you know, what do I really need here to be effective? You know, there's that kind of famous story of the, the early days of Amazon where they were shipping books in their garage and, um, you know, down, kneeling down on this tiny, you know, short table. And I'm not sure if it was Bezos or his partner. One of them said, said, you know, we, this can't go on. And the other one said, yeah, you're right. We need knee pads. <laughs> It's like, no, we don't need knee pads. (laughs) We need a proper warehouse. We need staff. We need. So, you know, imagine if they just go along that route of, yeah, we just need knee pads and to try and do it all with the two of us. It wouldn't be, wouldn't be Amazon. Likewise, you know, for myself, when I'm, I'm looking at, you know, how to optimize and improve and make my practice work for me. I think one of the big things is, is, reflecting back from the perspective of the worker bee self, right? So in a way, there's the kind of the capture, capture clarify I organize is kind of the manager self in a way that's setting up my future self that's sort of a little worker bee to be able to work, to be able to do, to be able to knock stuff off of the lists and go back and forth between lists and calendar and, and make it all work. Or another way of thinking of it is like one of them's the kind of field sergeant, you know, that's sort of laying, helping out the battle plan. And the other one's in the trenches, you know, really very active with it. But mm. feedback in a sense from that worker be self or that in the trenches self about how well my system is supporting me with those quick tactical decisions, um, you know, with managing distractions in the moment, all of that um, I think is a kind of meta level skill that helps to refine the practice because if you can go, Oh, you know what, that next action, it's fuzzy. I don't know quite what it means or, Oh gosh, I can't get to the action support material. I really need here when I'm in the heat of battle, those kind of really practical things that you notice about the practice, I think really help with, with sort of sustaining it. So Mm. what, what, what do you think? Are there, is there, are there any, does that spark any, any thoughts or ring any bells with you? Well, uh, what I love about that is that kind of uh, quasi-schizophrenic, uh, you know, uh, dialogue that you're implying between your past executive self and your and your current future be self or worker be self. And I think that's great. You know, that's a great way to think about it. it. In some ways, you know, in some ways, what we're trying to do in in GTD and and one of the uh, fundamental ways in which it's different from the way that people are used to working is we move the you know the thinking the the planning to a certain extent from uh from the moment of action earlier in time right so so what we're trying to do is uh that executive self is trying to set up the worker bee self to be as productive as possible and i think they both have uh they both have things to tell the other right so the 
the executive self is basically saying, hey, I'm doing my best to set my worker bee self up to be as productive as possible. And the worker bee can look back over, <laughs> over his or her shoulder and go, well, I know that's what you intended, but in this case, it isn't actually working. And that, that of course, will have implications for how, you know, to step out of the metaphor for a second, how we, um, you know, how we clarify, organize, uh, you know, the things that we've gathered. And so I, I, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. It's a, it's a, it's a, I think a clear way of, uh, of expressing that, that not just that kind of duality in the way that we engage with our work when we're doing this, you know, when we're doing this the right way, but also that kind of, um, you know, the, the potential improvement that's possible if we, if we have the right perspective on, on those two selves. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, Todd, was there an, an in, kind of an inflection point for you in your practice where at some point it kind of stopped feeling like work and started feeling like a habit, started feeling getting into more of a groove or a routine with with the GTD practice? And and if so, is, was there anything in particular that came together or that worked or that supported you? Or was it just kind of a natural steady ramp up? Or what, what was your, like, if you had to kind of, if you had to graph it, what would it, what would it look like in terms of your own experience of adoption? Yeah, I, I think that's a really, I, I think that's a really interesting question for all of us. I, my, my own experience was that I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't point to any particular moment and say, okay, at that point, the whole game changed in ways that it hadn't changed before. But I, but I would say that there have been a number of times where, um, there have been aha moments where I've just gone, oh, that fundamentally changes the way that I've been thinking about what I'm doing. And, and, I'll, and one, one example that comes to mind is I saw years ago now, this was, it's got to be seven or eight years ago, I saw a, um, a seminar that, that David Allen was doing, and David was talking about, you know, capture practice and talking about the fact that he, he did and still does, you know, write things down, right? He's got a, got a, had a paper that he carries carries around in his note taker wallet, and he writes things down writes things down as they occur to him. And and what he said the, the the point that he made in the seminar is that quite often the morning after the uh, the you know having captured some idea over dinner with somebody, he would look at that piece of paper and just go, "Well, that's a silly idea," and throw the piece of paper away. And that was a really critical moment for me where I realized capture does not imply a commitment to do. Capture simply implies, I believe that this is, this is interesting and important, and I'm going to get the idea out of my head. So, you know, and again, that was seven or eight years ago. I think the most recent one um, was today in a call that you and I had earlier, and, and, and props to you for this one. Uh, you, you used a phrase, which I'd never quite heard before in exactly that form, where you were talking about the benefits of, the benefits of clarifying. And, and one of the things that you said was, that when you finish a coaching, you say to people, and I hope I'm going to get this right, you say to people, look, the question, when I'm gone, the self-coaching question is, um, what does it take to get this thing off your mind for now? And the for now edition there, just kind of in my head, uh, made me realize that that's something that I'm not always great at. I, I sometimes say, you know, what would it take to get this off my mind in some sort of absolute term forever? 
you know, the, the, what would be all of the cognitive activity and all the decisions and everything that would be required to get this thing off my mind forever. And I think what I realized this morning was I was putting a bit more pressure on myself than was necessary because of course, all I can ever do is do what's, what's, um, what's uh, necessary in the moment to get it off my mind. I can't, I can't be sure whether that same project is going to pop up in, in, you know, two hours or two days and, and something else about it will come to mind, which means that I've got to do some more work to get it off my mind. So, yeah. So, you know, two kind of, um, two kind of uh, in, inflection points in a sense. And, and that, that's really been my journey. It's been a journey of, of important, uh, important realizations over the course of all of those years uh, that have, you know, that have made my practice what it is today. I don't know what, what's what's your journey. I, I'm I'm a comparative newbie. I've I've only been doing it for 12 years, and you've been doing it for 17. So, I'm 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 curious what your journey's been like. You're only six degree black belt, right? And going for seven. <laughs> um, yeah, and and I think props to Meg Edwards. I think who was the one who. who um, told me about that idea of, you know, getting it off your mind for now. It really, that, that was an inflection point for me too. That really struck a chord where I went, oh, like you said, really, you know, life is never complete. You know, there's all these outstanding things, but I can have in each moment an accurate set of kind of bookmarks about the moving parts in life of what's going on. And in that moment, I can be present and I can be in a sense complete with at least the fact that I know what all that is. I have a system for all of that. It's all in its place. Even though, you know, I've got 40 outstanding projects and none of them are actually done. I don't have to push necessarily, you know, to, mm. to, to push all those into, into completion. And, you know, there was a billboard in the, as I was catching the train recently, a, a bank or some organization was saying, you know, impatience is a virtue. You know, we're really impatient about everything. And we're really, we work always with a sense of urgency for you. And I thought, that's going to burn your people out. I don't want someone that has a sense of urgency for me. You know, <laughs> working with this frenetic energy, I want a, an appropriate level of energy to moving it along. And then when they can't move it along any further, I want to know they're going to pick it up as soon as they can again. So yeah, that was a real, a nice revelation to me about, the way in which GTD can help me be in the moment. I think all of those revelations really, for me, add up to a series of um, kind of carrots rather than sticks, right? So when I was talking about the guilt trap, I mean, I think a lot of people do um, getting out the big stick with themselves, you know, and the, and the mea culpa is about, oh, I'm not on my practice or whatever. But for me, when I, what I've found works for myself and, and therefore encourage with, with clients is notice the wins, notice the success, notice the positive impact that you experience, notice it, acknowledge it, use that as incentive so that when you had a good weekly review this week and you feel more on top of everything, you go, yeah, I want this feeling next week, right? So that it's, it's not about I'm not doing the thing I should, it's about I'm going to find a way to give myself the experience of being more present, of feeling more on top of things, you know, um, of knowing that I can capture interesting ideas and giving myself creative freedom without having to commit to all of them, just capturing for the sake of life is rich and interesting and I have lots of thoughts, you know, giving yourself those experiences and noticing them 
and using that as positive reinforcement rather than the, oh gosh, I really ought to be a more organized person or whatever it is, right? I mean, I, I, I really almost, I don't think I've ever done GTD because I felt I should have a self-image of being a more organized person. <laughs> it's, it's always been really for me about the inner experience of what that brings me, what that what that gives me, you know, as a as a carrot rather than than beating myself up with a stick. So that's been a lot of my journey is finding the ways to reinforce. The, the upside of this thing, make it conscious to myself and use it as a leading tool, you know, to move me forward into the next, the next stage of game. Mm. And, and, you know, I'm just thinking about what, what a lot of people say to me walking out of a seminar uh, is they'll say, you know, I hope I have the discipline to implement this. I hear, I hear that a lot coming out of seminars and it's sort of to your point, you know, in some ways I, I understand it as a, as a, as a natural reaction to anything where you're thinking, okay, this is what they're asking me to do in this seminar involves change. Change is going to require a bit of discipline and a bit of working differently. I, I get it as a, as an instinct, but, but going back to your point about, about carrots, which I, I think it's a, it's a great point and very important. You know, if, if we're doing our jobs well, uh, as as trainers, as coaches, as people who help people to implement this methodology for themselves, if we're doing um, you know if, if we're doing that well, then we're making it clear what those what those carrots are. You know, if somebody walks out of a seminar and they go, you know what, you know what's the really what they really are trying to create here is me as a person who has great lists, then we failed, right? We, we, we've really failed if, if that's all they think that this is about. It's, it's about living, you know, living life on a, um, on a level that most people don't know is on offer. And I think that's important to, you know, keep an eye on. It's funny, a couple of weeks ago, there was a, a global conference of folks that do, um, you know, that do GTD and David Allen was there. We were all in Amsterdam together. And, and, um, and one of the things that David said at the time was, Hey, uh, you know, if uh, if if I had if I had the sense that um, that I could figure GTD out, I wouldn't be engaged with it anymore. In other words, it's a journey. This right, and, and it's a journey that we're on, and it's a journey that he's on. And so, I think it's an important, and you know, maybe it's a metaphor for for all of the work we do in GTD. It, it, there, there isn't there isn't a finish line in a sense, right? It co- kind of goes back to what you were saying you were saying before. Uh, I, I sometimes contrast the way that a lot of people are used to working, right? Daily daily to do list. I have these five things to do today, and once I've ticked all of those off, is done. Then I go, yeah, okay, I've I've, I've done in a sense everything that I wanted to do today. And, and that's an, another conversation in time between two entities, right? The person who had the priorities at the beginning of the day and the person who's looking at that list at the end of the day. But a lot of people um, get to the end of the day and they've ticked off two of the things, but three things are undone. And they look at that and they say, well, I've, well, I've kind of failed here. And the truth is that if they've, you know, they could have actually had an incredibly productive day and made all the right choices. It's just that, the self at the beginning of the day that was creating that daily to-do list has different priorities than the person who made those decisions during the day to focus on other things. You know, the things that arrived, the things that, that showed up in that 
frantic email from a client or from the boss or from whoever that, that took their, their priorities and their focus in a different direction. So a lot of ideas there, I think. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just conscious of, conscious of our overall theme here. You know, how do we keep people on the, how do we keep people focused and sustain it? And, and just to draw, uh, you know, draw, draw this out in bold text, I, I really do think that an important part of that is keeping an eye on what, what is the experience of you as a productive being that you want to have. And that's not very likely not about somebody who has their nose buried in, in action lists all day, every day. It's, it's not what it's about. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's a real um, kind of a high level key to all of this is that mindset shift. Um, and I, and, you know, I think it's no surprise that David kind of uses some of these metaphors from Eastern practice. I think in the, in the East, there's more of this, sense that it's about the practice it's about the journey rather than the destination and, and and in a way it's about who you become in the practicing of these various disciplines or arts um rather than what you produce and so there's this great quote in you know zen in the art of archery where they say you know basically whether or not you hit the target is none of your business that's <laughs> so kind of anathema to a Western mind, right? It's all about hitting my targets. Like that's what life is, is a series of targets you hit, you know, but I think there is kind of a happy medium or a way to reconcile those two, two mindsets too, in the noticing of the experience in the noticing of, um, in a sense, these small little targets that you hit all along the way of going, oh, that's a new thing. That's a new revelation. That's a new way of working. That's a little bit better, a little more elegant, a little, um, you know, cleaner and, and a little less friction on things. Yeah. You know, that, that, that if you do notice those moments along the way, that that it can be a journey that's that feels rewarding, that feels meaningful and that you're going to want to continue out of a sense of inspiration rather than a sense of uh, lack, like I should be here and I'm mm. not, and you know, I haven't hit the target. You know, I haven't been able to tick the box that says I am, you know, I've done GTD, <laughs> right? Because, yeah. you know, I think no, no one ticks, ticks that box until kind of their last breath. Maybe, you know, it's, that's not what it's about. It's about a way to live, a way to sustain a life. So I think that's a really important key and great to hear straight from David that, He's still learning that he's still mm. in the practice of this thing rather than, the, oh, yeah, I've been there, done that, got the badge, got the merit badge, you know. <laughs> mm. and, you know? And, and I think you're so right. I mean, I think there's so much in, in the modern uh, mindset. I'm, I'm reminded as you're, as you're talking there about a, one of my favorite scenes from a movie called American Beauty that a lot of people have seen, it, um, you know, Kevin Spacey movie, where um, – Kevin Spacey's daughter um, and and Kevin and and his the character who plays his wife are watching their daughter in a uh, in an American football game and she's a cheerleader and they're doing you know synchronized routines as cheerleaders do in American football games and after the game uh, the the mother is absolutely beaming and comes up to the daughter and says, "Honey, you didn't screw up once." <laughs> and, I, and I love that as kind of as kind of a metric for success in the world. You know, it's kind of okay. Well, so there you go. You got you're successful if you do not screw up ever, ever. And if you do screw up ever, ever, you're unsuccessful. And of course, you know, I think I think you and I can laugh at that because not just because we've seen it out there in the world, but because of course those messages messages were uh, 
you know, we're, 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 we're subtly put our way in our education and in our cultural upbringing. Um, yeah. And just reflecting on the film, you could, you can see at a glance just how happy and fulfilled those people are as yeah. well. Yeah, that are saying yeah. those things, you know, this is not the model family. Yes, <laughs> this is not right. a model for, for stress-free productivity and, and positive focused in the moment engagement with life people. <laughs> it's not where you want to go is, is the family for American beauty. Yeah. But it's really true. There is, there is this constant, you know, bombardment about, perfectionism and and all of that so yeah i mean to to bring it back to practice you know get going with with something notice how it helps get going with something else you know and i think too we're all adults right you know so so people people have good habits they have adopted things changed things learned things you know and and having um what they call a learning orientation toward life um, I think is a really important part of this too. You know, I think we were talking, you and I have, been, have talked about this before where, you know, adults will say, oh, well, I, I never learned to play the piano, right? Whereas, whereas children will say, I haven't, I haven't learned to play the piano yet, right? You know, and so, mm. so and, and one of the wonderful things about kids and why they have so much sort of neuroplasticity and willingness to just engage with stuff is, is that everything's kind of new, right? So they, this concept of sort of beginner's mind and being really open and receptive to learning is where they begin because everything's kind of new and it's all about learning and developing. And at some point, you know, if you kind of, you're going to draw the conclusion that, well, I'm an adult now, this is it, this is how I am and who I am. I think that really shuts off the opportunity that's available here. And that, like you said, some people don't even know is on offer to be able to kind of really think at a meta level about what's working in your workflow. And by, by work, we mean work and life and really anything where you've committed to do something other than just what is right now to progress anything in your life that's meaningful, you know, and, and that it does require a commitment to, uh, to making mistakes, you know, <laughs> to not being doing the perfect cheer routine. Um, but then also to maybe debriefing that, right. You may become mm -hmm. a much better cheerleader if, if you make some mistakes and learn from them, than if you try and basically do a perfect routine, which is invariably going to be also pretty stilted, you know, mm -hmm. and predictable mm -hmm. um, and not terribly, terribly creative you know there's mm -hmm. very few things where where perfection is really the goal it's much more about fluidity and learning and i think that's absolutely the case with a, with a gtd practice as well so you know i know this isn't a whole lot of do this first do that second but i think the mindset is really important um, mm -hmm. to internalize you know and to and to rem, you know and to remind yourself of hey this is a practice this is a thing that i'm i i need to let myself continually be a beginner about this i need myself uh you know let myself yes have a shambolic system at times but then debrief how did i get here how did this how did this happen what what do i want to do next time um you know what do i do to get back on having a self-correcting internalized mechanism to me is the is far greater confidence than just being on top of it in the moment because you know come what may you can get back there yeah yeah as you're talking about that i'm reminded of a uh, an interview i saw once with somebody uh this is this is with my uh, my jazz musicians hat on but i i watched an interview with somebody who was talking about one of the great uh well not great one of the very popular uh, big bands from the from the last century, and what he said about them was that 
they played perfectly every time. And he said, as a result of that, I stopped listening to them because, because it was, it just became boring. They, they were, they weren't outside, you know, that they weren't on the edge of their, uh, of their ability. And, and jazz musicians, you know, the, the, the great ones are always on the edge of their ability. And that's one of the things I think that's really exciting, you know, about it is they're, they're not saying, yeah, I'm, I know exactly what I'm going to play. And I know that ex- every, every note's going to be perfect. They're living in the moment and they're very open to, you know, the possibility that, that they're going to make mistakes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's just maybe another, another life metaphor for what we're talking about here. I'm, I'm aware we're, right. we're sort of coming up, coming up to time. Do, do you have, maybe if we we're going to try to boil this down for folks and talk about, um, you know, the, the two or three top takeaways from this, what, what would be on your mind about that? Yeah. Well, I think just to bring it back down to real practical terms again, a bit for a minute, um, to me, one of the best places, you know, in the GTD model where this debrief can happen between the worker self and the manager self. Well, one is in the moment, right? When you notice, oh yeah, that list that just says mum on it isn't really terribly well clarified and I need, I need to give feedback to the manager self. But the other place where that can really happen is in the weekly review. And so invariably, um, you'll hear me say over and over and over again to people that feel that they've fallen off or, um, you know, that, that aren't, you know, want to sustain things that the weekly review is, um, the fundamental place where that self-correcting mechanism can get built, can get supported, and be, and then being imbued throughout your entire workflow practice, your entire GTD methodology practice. So if you're struggling and you're going, well, that's great, and I understand inspirationally I want to have a learning mindset, but what, what do I do next? Um, do, your, do a weekly review. Do it, though, in the spirit of not only the 11 steps and getting the system clear, but also really looking at the system from the perspective of, okay, if I'm going to make this practice, what's one or two things that I could do differently going into the coming week that'll help make the next weekly review that much better, that much cleaner, that much faster, that much more enjoyable and elegant. So that would be my kind of boiling it. One of my boiling it down takeaways is just, just, use that re- weekly review as an opportunity or a flashpoint to bring all of that together. What about you? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I like that a lot. And I think um, mine would be, uh, you know, I sometimes reflect on the fact that when David Allen first started to do this work, it was the, it was the mid 1970s, right. And the work that he started to do at, at Lockheed and the book, the first edition of, of the book came out 25 years later and that was, you know, David's journey from starting to work on it to, yeah, I've got it, you know, I've got it in book form and it's ready to be shared with the world. And I sometimes think about that when I get a bit frustrated with my own practice. Um, and so I look back on that and I think, yeah, well, that's true. I might have, you know, I might have some way to go and there may be more development required. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, you know, the benefits that are accruing to me of what I do now, even if I'm not doing it you know, perfectly or ideally, or, uh, you know, even if some, some aspects of my system or my practice aren't black belt, the benefits that have accrued to me from what I have implemented are just astounding. And, and so I try to, I try not to lose sight of the fact of those facts when I, you know, when my perfectionist, uh, you know, my, my perfectionist self uh, tries to butt in and say, uh, yeah, but you, you know, there was, there was the following thing that you could have done better. 
Well, that's always true. Um, but I wouldn't give up my GTD practice for anything, not for anything. Yeah. yeah. Imperfect as it is. Yeah. Yeah. Go for, go for the shooting for the excellence rather than getting bogged down in the, in the impossible concept of perfection. I think that's mm. really, really a big key too. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in, you know, and, and listening to us. Hopefully that was helpful and both inspirational and practical for those of you who are asking yourself, how do I sustain this? How do I make this potentially something that 17 years on, I can say, oh yeah, yeah, I'm still doing it and it's still helping. And like both Todd and I, that it's worth the incremental investment to make it even better because it makes my life even better. So if any of that, um, you know, was inspiring, useful, helpful, we'd love to always hear from you. And if you have thoughts for other topics or things you'd like us to discuss, um, just you can drop an, an email to info at next-action.eu. Again, info at next-action.eu. We're always happy to hear from listeners. And um, so until next time, go well and, uh, and keep it up, I think, more than anything. Bye for now.